What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast. My name's Andrew Bolton. With us today, of course, is Pastor Robbie Gowdy and Candy. How are y'all doing? We are Good. back again. Yes. We're back again. I don't have any jokes this time because okay. I forgot to start our timer last episode mm-hmm. with so all the joking. Excited. You're so but excited. But I did want to do a quick shout out to Valerie McKee. Valerie follows us on social media. She's always sending us encouraging messages. Okay. So shout out to Valerie. If you're not following us yet at The Forgotten Jesus, come give us a follow. Yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> on and, Instagram. And then on YouTube, they could sign and up as YouTube, well. And on YouTube, that's right. Is Valerie the one who asked about how many references to running naked, or was that someone else? Nah, that was somebody else. <laughs> Listen, some, they're we taking put bets. to bed. They're taking bets on how many times we reference that. And now, And for those I mean, who don't know, that was a... Uh, Two times in this. That was a lot in season two, but we have put that behind us. Yeah, well, you just brought it up again. No. We put it to bed. Moving on. We're going into the genealogy last week. I felt like we covered some ground with the women in the genealogy. Right. And how God can use any of us with a checkered past, and he does to this day. Uh, Which would be all of us. I was going to say, a lot of those guys have checkered past, too, just saying. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thank you for saying that. I want to study one woman in the genealogy that... There is, there's so much here surrounding mm-hmm. her that points to the mm-hmm. cross, points to Jesus that sometimes we miss. And it's the woman Rahab. Rahab. Okay. So let's go to um, let's go to Exodus chapter two. Okay. Exodus or Joshua? Joshua. Why I've said Exodus now so many times. We, we were Lord's trying to tell you something. We were getting ready for this and I kept saying Exodus, but it's Joshua. Thank you, Candy. Joshua chapter two. Well, I'm here, love. Yep, that's where I got you, babe. Okay, Joshua chapter two. And I think the ladies like having you on the podcast. As Vivian Peniel said, a rose between two, two thorns. <laughs> oh, Viv, I love her. Oh, my goodness. Yes, one's more thorny than others. But We're going to we cut this episode right now. The, uh, no. Okay, uh, let's go to jo- <laughs> Joshua, Joshua chapter two. two. Verse Joshua chapter two. Uh, we're going to pick up with oh. Rahab, the story of Rahab. Okay, so uh, we're going to pick it up with... Um, verse 8? Verse 8, yep. You sure? Uh, yeah. Okay. Verse 8. Let's just pick up verse 8. We're just going to read a little bit of the context, and then we're going we're gonna to move on. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Shihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Okay, let's stop there. So this is mm. this is a woman who is a Gentile woman living in a foreign land. In some kind of way, she knows that God is God. And she's basically saying, I know who your God is. Would you protect me? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to go down to verse 17. The men are going to say, okay, we're going to protect you if you help us. Okay. And and she does. She hides them. But they basically say, we're going to help you now. Okay. Now, watch this. Look what verse 17 says. The men said to her, we will be free from this oath you made us swear unless... When we enter the land, you tie this scarlet cord mm-hmm. to the window through which you let us down. Okay, let's stop there. So when you tie this scarlet cord, what color is the cord? Uh, scarlet, scarlet, which is like burgundy. Uh, kind of. What's another word for burgundy? Uh, blood-like colored. Blood-like, but another word for it starts with a C. Crimson. Crimson. 
I even hate to say the word crimson. Me too. That's really? why I wasn't saying it. That's why I was saying every word except for that. Crimson Tide. I, I'm not a big, Ooh. I'm not a big Alabama. No offense to the Alabama fans on here. People say, why don't you like Alabama? Well, as LSU fans, they beat us all the time. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, they're well, SEC. That's like rooting for the devil because they in the used Bible. to not. Oh but my gosh, we won't go there. Well, and they took our coach, and we're still bitter about that. Even though they didn't, we blame it on them. But crimson cord, crimson cord. Okay, so what happens is. Rahab hides the spies right. when uh, the authorities come. Because of that, they say, we're going to save you. We're going we're gonna to decimate this city. Everybody's going to be done. We're going to kill them all. And we're going to save you if you do one thing. Now, why did he say, if you do this thing, putting the cord out the window? What is the act of putting the cord out the window after these two men are gone? What is that act called? Faith. Faith. Yeah, that's she believes, yeah, what they yeah. say. So even in the act of right. putting out the cord, there's a level of faith right. and obedience. See, knowing God is real is one thing. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I say to people, you know what you believe, but do you believe what you know? Yeah. And better yet, are you living what you believe? Are you acting out what you believe? It's one thing for her to say, ah, oh, that's great, this crimson cord. No, it's another thing when the walls are coming down to hold yeah. that thing out there and just believe that everything's yeah. going to be decimated but the house. But I think, too, what's important, too, is she immediately hangs it in the window when they leave. She doesn't wait the few days yeah, until good. they come back. Yeah, she immediately does it. And so it's just, it's immediate obedience. Right. And she is saying, this is what I believe. And I'm doing it, and I'm doing it now. Yeah. Now, let me show you another little insight. Why the red cord outside of the doorpost of the home or the mm. window of the home? See, you just gave it away. I know. You just I know. I know. Here's what's cool. The Passover. Passover. Yes. Uh, you see gave the it away when you said Well, you post. see the connection here. So this is a group of 2 million people. Right. Who left on a miraculous, you know, a miraculous event of Passover mm -hmm. where they have blood in a sense over a doorpost of their home to protect the home from the angel of death. Right. And so now we have this microcosm of Passover again to save one family under the roof of this home with a crimson red cord hanging out one of the doorposts or the windows of the home. Can I ask a question I've never thought of before? Okay. Sure. How did the cord become crimson? Did they have to dip it in actual blood? I'm not saying they did. I'm no, just that, asking that, like... Yeah, that's a good That's a good question. Okay, they, so... They smush it in berries that were that color? No, that's good. Know. No, well, that, well, that's an interesting... They would, you're talking about just... The um, color crimson. The color, the color in, general. in general. I can go to Walmart and buy right. crimson fabric right now, but they it was, couldn't. It but that was, was different back then, right? How did they make the colors of the cloth? Well, isn't that what Lydia did in the New Testament? Yes, she Lydia... Would, they would dye garments based she on... She was a distributor of purple dye. Lydia actually got the purple dye from worms or snails, yeah. if you will. So they would crush the shells and they would get the purple dye from there and they would dye the clothes. Mm -hmm. The crimson color was different. In this case, the crimson color was actually obtained how? That's what I'm asking. Okay, no, that's what you're asking. Take a guess though. Well, a bug? A, a close, a bug or reptile? a- Reptile? No, a worm. <laughs> it's a reptile. What is a worm? An, okay. an amphibian? Uh, a worm. It's a bug. Oh, yeah. A, wor a worm? Amphibian. Just an insect? Yeah, yeah. it's an insect. Yeah, it's just right? an insect. I think so. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. The worm I don't is. Know okay. Oh, the word <laughs> worm in Hebrew is tola or tolada. You could say worm. Tola, tolada. So the word for worm is actually the word for red or crimson. Did you know this? I did not. And it's because that little worm, you could actually take that little worm and a certain kind of worm, when you crush this worm, it just 
A certain uh, kind of worm? It oozes blood. Okay, so it just comes out with so basically the the worm is filled with blood, and when you crush the worm, the blood comes out, and they would use that blood to dye the clothes or the cloths. Yeah, crimson, scarlet, red. Okay, so put a God. pin in that. Well, I just I'm about to that. open a whole can of worms. Okay, don't open the. I'll I'll save it. Oh, Let me write it down. No pun intended. Okay, so this deep red, blackish kind of red worm color. Okay, go ahead. You so what ask. happened? Here's the answer. When this. you spend eternity separated from God, what is it that you say Ooh, is over and over and over again in your mind? The worm never dies. The worm that never dies. Ooh. So you can either be covered by the blood of the worm. I'm just kidding. but Or the worm can live in your head forever. Bro, that's deep right there, dude. That may be one of the best things you've ever said on this podcast. All right, we'll clip that for social media. <laughs> wow. I never really thought about that before. Yep. Because, in, well, put a <laughs> you got me all wrong. Robert, put a pin put in a that. Put a pin in that because I want to come back to that at the end. Let's keep going okay. because that, right, we'll will, keep going. that will be the mic drop at the end, but I want to build that up. Okay. I want to build up the worm that never dies. Okay, so she puts the cord out there, like Candy said, immediately. Now, again, we learned about her. She's a woman. She's a Canaanite, a Gentile, okay, which meant that her people, generation after generation, worshiped the false god Baal. And number three, it says she's a prostitute. Now, last time we said we don't know for sure, but I've got some insight here uh, of how we know she was a prostitute, okay? okay? Six times she's referred to in the Bible as a prostitute. Prostitute is another word synonymous with street caller, call girl, we'd say a hooker today, right? I mean, yeah. that's different words we would use. The Bible does not sugarcoat this woman's past. I mean, it blatantly says. Now, here's the issue. We don't know her upbringing. We right. don't know anything about her religion. We don't know how she became a prostitute. But we do have a commentary on the Old Testament, which is in the Mishnah. It's a commentary, uh, rabbinic commentary on Exodus called Melkilta. And it says that Rahab was a prostitute for 40 years of her life, Good. starting wow. at the age of 10. Wow. That's what the commentary. Now, this yeah. is a commentary that goes back pre-Jesus, okay? So, or, or at least was orally pre-Jesus. So, if that's the case, that changes everything. Why? Because the lifestyle she's living is the byproduct of the abuse of her mm. own family. Yeah, for sure. Her own family. So this is a woman at 10 years old that enters one of the worst lifestyles you can enter and doesn't have a choice. Yeah. And yet she now has been forced into this labor to make money for the family. Yeah. She has no way out. Imagine the years of prostituting her body. Imagine the toll that it's taken on her body. And yet these spies come. Mm. I mean, you got to, I mean, I don't want to get too graphic, but. I mean, you got to think the abuse and mm -hmm. molestation and just taking advantage of. And I mean, I know that's that's something we all face in life. You know, yeah. some of us listening are the product of an abusive father, right. an alcoholic dad or an alcoholic mom. Or maybe you've been wounded by, you know, bouts of depression or anxiety from your past. Maybe molestation or abuse, sexual abuse, spiritual abuse. I think when we hear a person like Rahab, we can resonate with her. Yeah. Right. Well, right. we've all gone through trauma of some sort, you right. know, some on a deeper level. Um, and there's different forms of that, but you could definitely say trauma is a part of her past. Yeah. And I've forever yes. read this passage thinking, if I'm honest, putting like bad, bad 
light on her, like, oh, this was her choice. Like, I've just always read it as sure. if she chose to be this way. Yeah. Right, right. Now, the older I get, the more I understand about this situation, I see it completely different. Yeah. Yeah. A well, lot and of, the beauty of redemption. Yeah. Right. You know, that how, how, how God works in her life and redeems her and saves her on multiple levels. And then here we go, look in the New Testament and she's in the genealogy. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and Mary's in, you know, to. Yeah. The, she is the great grandmother of David. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Great, great grandmother. After, okay. after all that she went through in her life. Um, I mean, obviously if she went into it at, at 10, that was not by her choice. Right. Right. Um, and, and. After I would assume you live that lifestyle, you're basically considered no good to anybody, you know. So the the lifestyle continues, yeah. and and that's how she did. She provided and made money, whatever. Um, and then for God to, after all those years, turn it all around yeah. for her. And I mean, I just it's just probably I in her fifties. I get emotional thinking about it because she's she's an amazing person. Yeah, and and so and here's what God the, did. Here, here here's the encouragement for those who are listening. You're, you may be plagued by fear or shame or guilt mm -hmm. from your past. And here's what I want you to remember. Um, you can't alter your past, but you can put your past on the altar of God. Yeah. And you can come just as you are, and you can present it to God and let God use your past. See, what we think is our past failures um, are a hindrance to the ministry, yeah. but actually they become a help for other people, yeah. right? You say it that way. Yeah. I think back to the last episode when your dad said, hey, I don't think you should share that story anymore because you can't alter your past. But you put your past on the altar and we've seen what God's done. Yeah. yeah. And you just say, God, listen, I know I messed up and done some things against you, but I believe you're a God of second, third, and fourth chances. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust that you're going to work this out for the good. And that's what Rahab did, right? So she believes in God. And I want you to turn now to Hebrews chapter 11, which is interesting. We know the story. She lives... She's adopted into the family. She becomes the great-grandmother of, of David the king. Rahab would go on to marry uh, Salmon. Tradition says Salmon was the prince of the house of Judah and one of the two spies who were in, sent in the land, which is interesting. And then we have, together they have a boy named Boaz, which is interesting. Boaz marries Ruth, a Gentile. Right. So you see this again. And then Ruth is going to father... Um, Jesse, they're going to have a son named Jesse, or a son named Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse has David. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. When you think of Hebrews chapter 11, you think of the hall of faith, it's called. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. If Hebrews chapter 11 was a visual book, this would be a poster book, posters of role models of the faith. Right. These are people you pin up on walls. These are the people you want to be like. I mean, guys in there like David and Moses and Noah and Isaac and Abraham. I mean, these guys fought Enoch. He walked with God. And then you see this name in verse 31. Mm -hmm. And it's a name that you wouldn't expect to be. I mean, you got to understand the Hall of Faith only has so much bandwidth right. mm -hmm. to include a few names. Right. And like we say, if something is included in the Bible— the Bible writers are telling us this is important. Yeah. Right. Pause, stop, investigate, dive deep. So notice what it says in Hebrews 11.31. It says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Wait, what? Rahab? Right. Mm -hmm. A prostitute is named in the same chapter as a man who built an ark and wow. saved his family. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. A prostitute is in the same chapter as Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel. The prostitute is in the same chapter as Moses, who led the people out of the bondage of Egypt. A prostitute in the same chapter as a man after God's own heart, King David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet God is going to etch her name in the annals of history. Now, watch what happens when James, Jesus' half-brother, speaks of Rahab in his book, okay? James mentions her in James 2.25, 20, James 2.25. And in the same way, was not Rahab also the prostitute justified by works mm-hmm. when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Andrew, I can think of a lot of reasons why she would not be included in the Hall of Faith. I can think of a bunch of them, but I can only think of one of why she is. God. Right. God. God goes after the overlooked, the outcast, the downtrodden, the sinful. Why? Because when people see what he has done with them, the only answer is that is something only God can do. Right. That's something only God can do. Now, we, what does that have to do with the genealogy? Okay, let's go back to Matthew, and we'll put a bow on this. We'll go back to Matthew, and of all the people Matthew is going to include in his genealogy, four women, Matthew decides to include Rahab, mm-hmm. okay? We, we saw this before, but Rahab's in uh, the genealogy in verse five. five. Okay, read it again so we know. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab, Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, and Obed fathered Jesse. Now, why put Rahab? Rahab reminds the audience of a particular account of the city of Jericho. Mm -hmm. If the spies go into Jericho and are prematurely arrested, who knows how the story turns out. But because Rahab, by faith, protected them, and by faith, God saved Rahab, and by faith, Rahab fathers uh, great-grandmother of Jesse and David, and through that, the lineage of the Messiah... I mean, think about it. the Messiah comes through David. Right. Then, humanly speaking, without Jericho, there is no Jesus. Yeah. Right? But there's a deeper insight here I want you to see. The question we started with was why the color red? Why the color red? Why not a green cloth? Right. Why not a yellow cloth? You know, you might like yellow. You may say, well, yellow is hard to get. Why not those things? Red was always significant in the Bible. Okay, you go all the way back to Exodus when God says that you must sacrifice an animal mm-hmm. and through the blood, blood, red, crimson, scarlet, through the blood, you'll be saved. In fact, if you want to be saved, you and your whole household, put blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes, he will see the blood and pass over. Right. Right. So the blood sacrifice. Without uh, the shedding of blood, there is no Forgiveness, forgiveness, of forgiveness of sins. We know this through the Bible, okay? There are a few scriptures that connect blood and sin that are more overt than others, mm-hmm. okay? The first one is found, Kenny, you can look it up, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. I think in Revelation it says, uh, we're saved by the, by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony, the word, uh, the word of our testimony. Okay, 118. Isaiah 118. You're going to love this. Isaiah 118. Here's what Isaiah says. Come, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Mm. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Okay, so we have this overt connection. There's this plain connection between sin and crimson, sin and scarlet. Okay, so right away we see the connection. I'll give you one more. Go to Psalm 22, verse 6. If you're following along, you're going to want to see this. 
Psalm 22, verse 6. Jesus, this is a this is a messianic psalm. By the way, this is the trinity of messianic psalms, 22, 23, 24. Why? Those three psalms, 22, 23, 24, give us a picture of the Messiah. Number one, Messiah as the shepherd suffering, I mean, Messiah as the suffering servant. Mm -hmm. Number two, Psalm 23, Messiah as the good shepherd. Mm -hmm. Psalm 24, the Messiah as the king. Who is this king of glory? Who shall come in the house? He that has, that's 24. So you have these three psalms giving a picture of the trinity of Messiah, of the Messiah. Okay, trinity of the Messiah. Okay, Psalm 22 is a prophetic psalm Mm -hmm. telling us about Jesus on the cross. Mm. In this psalm, you have, they cast lots for my clothes. They wag their tongues at me. They criticize me. They spear me, but my bones are not broken. I'm like a man with parched lips. Okay, so it's all about the cross. Notice verse six, 22, verse six. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Okay, now in English, you miss it. Right. <laughs> but Andrew, earlier you said, earlier, we talked about the word worm, and you asked the question, where do we get the color red from? How do they dye clothes? It's not like you go to Walmart, pick up you know, red yarn. Right. It has to be dyed. And I said it was dyed from a worm or a maggot, if you will, worm or a maggot. And the word worm is tola or tola da. But the word worm, as we know, is also, can be also be translated as what? Crimson mm-hmm. or red. So Jesus, in a sense, prophetically is speaking in Psalm 22 from the cross after the fact. And here's what he's saying. Take the word worm out and put in the word red or crimson or scarlet. I want you to read it now, Candy. Read Psalm 22, verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Okay. So, no. I am a... I am am crimson. Okay, there you go. I am scarlet. And not a man. Okay. Now, here's what's interesting. That word scarlet and crimson is this idea that Jesus as a worm is being crushed on the cross. Mm. And just like the worm is crushed and the blood color red comes out to provide dye for clothes, Jesus is now going to be crushed, despised by men. Mm. And through the crushing of his body like a worm, the scarlet red comes out and it provides salvation for the world. Now watch this. When, when, when Rahab puts the scarlet thread out, mm-hmm. she is part of a storyline that God has been weaving with the scarlet thread right. from the Old Testament with the color red, all through the Exodus, through the Passover, to the Promised Land, through Jericho, through Isaiah's promise, through the Psalm 22 of David giving this picture of the Messiah, all the way through the cross with Jesus's blood covering us for our sin. So it's not just an happenstance thing that she goes out with the scarlet color red. She is preaching a sermon Mm -hmm. that this is a picture of redemption. And without the color red, there is no forgiveness. There is no protection. There is no redemption. And so it's more than just the color red. Here's a woman that's preaching a sermon. Right. And back to what you said earlier, it's the worm that never dies. In order to be saved in a sense. Right. You have to have the shedding of blood. You have to crush the worm Mm -hmm. so that the blood can come out and the person can be saved. Without the crushing of the sun on the cross, no one is saved. 
And so maybe, I don't know, I hadn't thought about, maybe the worm that never dies is another nod. I think it means it's your conscience. It never stops telling you about how you rejected the gospel over and over. You should have believed you didn't. But I also think it could mean that you never believed in the one who who should be crushed for the sin of your soul. Yeah, I'm thinking, man, that would be, think about the regret, Mm. like the regret of not accepting Jesus. A worm that never dies. Like oh that. My gosh. Like I, I don't, I know for eternity, I didn't have to be here, but I right. rejected Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I'll end with a story. Uh, centuries ago in Italy, there was a huge block of marble cut from one of the best quarries of Carrera. I mean, it was like one of the most prized. It's where they would design these sculptors, sculptures right. back then. Uh, and it was intended to be made into an Old Testament prophet. And they put this, uh, they put this piece of uh, block out into the open um, area of Florence. And uh, some of the great sculpture, sculptors came out like Donatello and he inspected it and he saw imperfections in it and he saw chips in the rock and he refused to use it. And so it just mm-hmm. lay there in the courtyard for years. Yeah. Okay, it was there for a while. Uh, one day a sculptor came and caught sight of this flawed block of marble. And he decided to have it transported into his office and into his place of work. And uh, in his mind arose this picture of immense beauty by cutting away the imperfections and right. leaving behind something uh, as a work of art. Uh, on January 25th, it was the year 1504, the greatest artist of the day assembled to see what this man decided to do with this piece of art. The man who had sculpted it was a man named Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Mm. And all the greats were there. Botticelli was there. Leonardo da Vinci was there. Pietro Perginini was there. And Raphael, the teacher, was there. And they wanted to see what Michelangelo had been working on in close quarters for years with this thrown-out, despised, right. overlooked block of wood. And when he came out, the veil was dropped, and the statue was met with a chorus of praise. Mm. And what they saw for the very first time revealed was Michelangelo's David. Mm-hmm. And isn't it cool today that one of the greatest works of art was rejected by men? Right. And I think it's a wonderful picture that God does extraordinary things with ordinary people. Aren't you glad that God doesn't see us as we are? Right. I tell people, God meets you where you are, but he doesn't leave you where you were. And that's the God we serve. He sees in us something we don't see in ourselves. And I think Rahab's a wonderful picture of that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, and I mean, I know we got to go, but... Any connection with crossing the Red Sea? There's mm. actually a sea of worms. <laughs> Could have been worms in that sea. That's Could why it was so red. Yeah. Actually, technically, you want to know a technical thing? It's actually called the Reed Sea. It's a we have just misspelled it. Re- all this year. Well, it's reeds because the reeds were up. But anyway, that's a technical thing. But uh, I like the idea of the Red Sea. I never thought about that. Who knows? Red's all through the Bible. Red Find it out. all through the Bible. Uh, fun fact also, they found a worm frozen with a woolly mammoth and it was still alive. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> I just read that the other day. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Dead serious. All right. Hey, guys, we're so thankful you joined us on this episode of the Forgotten Jesus podcast. If you can share it with a friend, that's always helpful. Leave us a review. Follow us on social media. And don't forget about those discussion guides, which you can find in the show notes. Pastor, thank you. Candy, thank you. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.